Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Whenever God seeks, and we'll see it in this chapter, whenever God seeks to point and demonstrate to you and me how much he loves us, where does he always point? To the cross. That's the demonstration. God says, God, you know I love you because of the cross, right? Not because you got money in the bank. Not because your kids are doing great. Not because the marriage is going awesome. Not because you got the job you wanted, the car is, is, that you desire. God says, that's not how you know I love you, right? The way you know I love you is you look to the cross. When things in life aren't going how we like, it's tempting to doubt that God really cares. We get fixated on our problems, which may be serious, but sometimes, if we're honest, they're pretty trivial. Today, Pastor Bill reminds us that life with Christ is not absent of hardships, but God's love is not proved by us having a great life. After all, Jesus himself, as well as the apostles, lived through horrible persecution. But God proved his love by sending Christ to die on our behalf, that we can be saved. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter 8 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Whom he's called, he says, these he also has justified. What does it mean justified? We talked about this earlier in Romans. Justification is a, a wonderful thing for the believer. God does this in the life of those that have put their faith in Jesus. His death, burial, and resurrection, God said, you've been justified. And some have taken that word and kind of broken it down and said, just as if I'd never sinned. That's my position before God. As a sinner, as a broken human being, God says, I see you justified, just as if you've never did it. That's the position that you have in me. Not because I haven't actually sinned, but I've been justified. Christ has made me, he's given me a position before God as a justified person. It'd be like going into court and you broke the law and they got it on video and there's no arguing the case. You, that's you on the video. That's your face. That's your mug. You did the, you broke the law. You did the crime and you're standing there and you get off. All right, it's just like you never did it. No penalty. There's no, no jail sentence. There's no record. There's nothing. It's completely wiped off like you never did it. That's what God has done for the believer. We're justified. Now, some of us won't forget. We, we, some of us hold our past failures. There are people that are so ashamed of whatever they were before Christ that they won't see themselves the way God sees them, justified. They keep looking at me. I can't believe I did that. I'm so embarrassed that I did that. And I'm so and we need to come to a place where we see ourselves the way he sees us. But I've been justified. So I'm not going to live there no more. I'm not going to do it to myself. I'm not going to let other people do it to me. In God's eyes, I've been justified. My, my standing before God is clean. I'm right. I'm just it's just like I've never did it. I have access to God. I can pray. I can look forward to going and being with him. I don't have to be afraid of death. For me, death will be my interest into eternity. That's what justification does for the believer. And some people will struggle with this yourself and other people. You may struggle because people throw your past at you. This happened to me as I got going in ministry. I had people that were like, you know, I had people that literally told me they would never come to a church where I preach literally because of stuff I did in high school. And I'm like, that was a long time ago. You know, like, my goodness, you're so unforgiving now, but you need to go, you need to go to church anyway. But, you know, I was blown away. I mean, I literally had someone that they took the time to seek me out and get my phone number to tell me that I really shouldn't. I, it's not right for me to be doing what I'm doing because I'm like, that was 
that was in like 1992 and three, like a long time ago. Like even if I hadn't got saved, that was old, but I, I already repented of it and I'm forgiven. But you know what? I, I can't, I don't, I didn't let that. I didn't, I didn't, I did not preach that week. You know, I didn't slow down what I was doing. It's like, Hey, I'm justified. I'm thankful that I'm just, I'm, I'm thankful for what God has done in, in, in the life of every believer. Right. That's our position before him. So he's justified us. And then it says that whom he has justified, these he also glorified. Now, glorified, that, that's the that's the state that we're all looking forward to getting into. That, that's the eternal state. When I'm when I'm in glory, I'll be in a glorified state. I won't have a sin nature. I'm going to have a new body, eternal made in the heavens. I'll never sin again. I won't even be tempted to sin. I'm going to be literally perfect. The Bible says when we see him, we'll be like him. There's going to come a day when we're going to finally be sinless. You're going to finally be like you be really you finally be holy for real. Some of us pretend to be holy or than we really are. But you're going to finally really be holy. You won't be no faking it. You won't be you want to put on your fake. Oh, praise the Lord. When you really got an attitude, you know, we're going to be in glory in a glorified state and there won't be any struggles. You won't be you won't be battling. You won't be in heaven like why are you looking at me like that? You know, or, you know, just we're going to be in a great place. God says, I see you there right now, glorified. And when I look at how he loves on us and how he ministers to us, how he's good to us, even when we're bad, how he shows grace and mercy is because God sees the finished product. And I was really meditating on that. Like, man, what is there like that? Like, what is there where you can kind of see the finish? You can see it all the way to the end. You can see what it will be. And so even when it's it's not there yet, you treat it like what it will be. I got a, I got a, a guy that I, I go back and forth with and he sells these really expensive dogs. Now he's selling dogs that sell for like five grand a pop. And I know, I was like, I need to get into that business, you know what I'm saying? But I'm like, you know, when you look at them as puppies, they don't look like nothing. It looked like a, it looked like a run of the mill, you know, it looked like it could be a mutt or something else. It, it isn't until it grows up, but he had this one round of puppies and it was a championship dad and the mother was, you know, had a great physical build. And so he was like, man, these puppies right here, man, these, and I'm looking at them, They've just been born. They look like, you know, I would see babies. They just look like, it's just like a little blop. I know it's the cutest little blop in the world when it's yours. But I'm looking at these dogs like, but it don't look like nothing. It look like a little, little big old eyes and the little fur balls. You know, like I don't see $5,000 right here. He said, man, some of these, bro. And he just, he just excited at the, the sight of, because he's done this before. And I don't have eyes to see like he does, but he knows he's looking at paws and ears and features. Oh, man, this one right here is going to have a great stance. He's setting them up. They can't even stand up on their own yet. And he's looking at the way the hands go. Oh, man, this, one, this is going to have great bone structure. And I'm like, for real? Like this? It looked like a little blob, a little cute puppy. You know, some girl will love it, you know, but he sees what it will be. And he's already celebrating for what it will be. And he's already put on a price tag of what it will be. He's value. His valuation of this puppy is based on what it will be, not what it is at that moment. And so, because he's able to see. Again, so now somebody else that's into it might can see what he sees. I didn't see it. I was like, it just, I wouldn't pay five grand. You know, I wouldn't pay 500, you know. So, but from God's perspective, when he's looking at us and we, we're looking at ourselves and we're like, I don't see it. And I don't see it yet. I'm, I'm still struggling with this. I still bad. It fell on my face last week this way. And God said, but I see it all the way done. I, I see you glorified. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be wonderful. One day you're going to be in glory with me. I see you all the way there. It's a process. God's working on us. My encouragement to you and I is this. The Bible says that we're to redeem the time for the days are evil. 
my encouragement is that we wouldn't be those that are that are just letting time go by and we're not submitting and we're not yielding. We're not letting God have his way. And so even though he sees the finished product, we're kind of making the work drag on instead of letting it be rapid. I, I want the work in my life to be rapid. I wanted to I wanted to move forward as unhindered as possible. Anybody here has ever been a part of a, a construction project or whatever? You know, some of them are rapid. They just kind of plow right on through and walls are going up and roofs are going on and insides are getting built and the thing is getting beautiful. And other things, I mean, I, I, I drove by and we were looking at places at some place where the work just stopped. The money ran out. Weather got bad. It rained on the it rained on the inside wood before they got the top up. And so the, the new wood is all messed up and they just said, OK, we stopped. We can't. We you know, the, the work is hindered. And I believe that our lives can be like that. Yes, God's the one doing the work, but we've got to yield and, and, and to his process that the work might move forward in a rapid way. But I do want to just encourage you that God does see the finished product. And I, I believe this is something that we should work on as a church, as a group of believers, because we deal with one another and we're not looking at the finished product. We're looking at what's right here, right now. And so we have to be careful sometimes that I got to have God's mindset when I know I'm dealing with a believer and I might see some blemishes right now, but I still got to know that we're going to be in heaven together one day. I got to love you like a finished product. I need God to give me that kind of eye and that kind of heart to see that, you know, what this is what they're going to be, though. God's working on them. And so that I give some grace and give some space for people to be worked on because God sees us that way. Doesn't mean we won't challenge each other. Don't mean we won't call each other out. But it does mean that there's, there's a. There's a love that we want to have towards one another in the body of Christ. Amen. And so, again, God sees us, sees it all the way through. And he sees me. He sees me, sees you in our final perfected state. And so now we're going to move on to verse 31. And really from here on out, it's going to be talking about God's love towards us. There are seven questions that he, that Paul asked. And sometimes Paul's teaching method was kind of asking questions, rhetorical questions. So I'll point out the questions as we come to them. Look at verse 31 now. It says, what then shall we say to these things? Question number one. What do we say to all this? If he foreknew me and he predestined me and every, it really not just that verse, but everything even pre preceded it. If all things are working together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose and he foreknew me and he predestined me to be conformed to the image of his son, he called me and he justified me and he sees me glorified already. Paul says, now what do we say to all this? What can we say? What do you say to that? What is the proper response to that? And I, I look at it and I just say, man, what, what, I, I, was, I sat here last week saying, like, what do you say? I mean, thank you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I mean, what do you what do you say to these things? I, I look at it and I think, man, I just want to I, I don't know if it's anything to say so much as something to do. What do I say to this? I don't know. But I, I want to yield to it. I want God's work to be perfected. I wanted to have his, I wanted to work its way out in my life. What then shall we say to these things? Second question, number two, if God is for us, who can be against us? Now, I, I love to get a verse finally in this context. This is one of them verses that you hear. It's a good preaching verse. If God be for us, who can be against us? You'll see this at a march and a rally and everything else. And it's like, let me, let me bring it into its context, right? We're looking at believers, we're looking at the struggle of being conformed into the image of Christ, those that he's justified and called and predestined that are, you know, battling with our flesh to be conformed into his image. God says, now look, God's done all these things on your behalf. What do we say to these things? Look, if God is for you, who can be against you? And I want us to all consider that today, right? If God is for you, and if you're a believer, he is for you. 
then, then God said, who can be against you? Who can successfully be against you? Not, it doesn't mean if God is for you, you won't have some folks against you. Because Jesus was on earth and he had a lot of people against him, right? But no one was going to succeed. God said, who, if God is for you, who can be against you? So one thing I would ask you this, do you believe that God is for you? Do you believe? Are you convinced in your heart that God is for you? Because some people, go, they flip-flop on that. Some people think God is for them when everything is going the way they want. And then when it's not going the way they want, they think God's not for them. And then when it's going the way they want, God loves me so much. He's been so good. I got some extra money. Praise the Lord. And then when it goes over here and things ain't going good and you lost a job and you're broke as a joke and God don't love me. If he loved me, I wouldn't be in this predicament right here. I don't understand why God would let this happen to me. And people go just like that with the Lord. But I think we have to be a little deeper than that. Right. And we're going to learn as we go through this chapter that that we do. God's love for me is deeper than how things are going in my life. Whenever God seeks, and we'll see it in this chapter, whenever God seeks to point and demonstrate to you and me how much he loves us, where does he always point? To the cross. That's the demonstration. God says, you know I love you because of the cross, right? Not because you got money in the bank, not because your kids are doing great, not because the marriage is going awesome, not because you got the job you wanted, the car is, is that you desire. God says, that's not how you know I love you, right? The way you know I love you is you look to the cross, that's the demonstration of my love for you. And every believer's got to know that. And as we even come to the table of communion to celebrate that, that's what we got to have in my heart. I gotta, God, I gotta, when I, when I wonder, I should, the believer should have no question of God's love for them when we just look at the cross. Look at what he did to save me when I wasn't even looking for him. When I didn't even, I wasn't even obedient. I was living a wild life. God came out. He did that for me when I was yet still a sinner. We learned in Romans 5, verse 8, right? That's how I know that he loves me in the way that he loves me. So God said, look, if I'm for you, who could be against you, right? Who's bigger than me is what God is saying. Like, if I'm for you, you have to fear anybody. You don't have to be afraid of people. You don't have to fear situations. God, look, I'm for you. You just, you just call out to me. And so I hate to hear believers, you know, acting like there's people that can keep something from them. Now, I went into this interview and I could just tell that the girl didn't really like me. What that, what that mean? What God is for you, who can be against you, right? What, what does that mean? What does that matter? Who, who, who is she? Right. God is in, if God is in charge, if God is sovereign, if he is for God, if, if God has something for you, believers need to just know these things. You guys, that nobody can keep what God has for me for me. So I never have to be running behind people and I never have to. I don't have to be mad at somebody like there may be a human being with their hand on the door as it shuts in your face. But Bible says that God opens doors and no man shuts and he shuts doors and no man opens. So I'm not looking that, that long and that hard at the man. I don't have to be mad at you. I don't have to be running behind you trying to convince you to do something for me. I'm going to be looking to the Lord. God, if you have this for me, I'm going to do the things I need to do and I'm going to look to you. And if you have something for me, I trust I get it. If I don't get it, all good. It, it's so liberating. I never have to be mad at nobody. I don't walk into a situation and, and get shut down and walk out like it's because this. They didn't give it to me because of that. God didn't have it for me. Right? Because if God had it for me, I would have it. God said, if I'm for you. Who can successfully be? Nobody. I just need to know that in my heart. It'll liberate you as you walk through the earth, you guys, to know that God is for me. And so I look to him. I look right over everybody's head to the Lord. And the things he has for me, I'm going to get them. And the things that I don't get, God didn't have it for me anyway. Everybody here know at some point in time you wanted something that God just didn't have for you. And maybe you get out a little bit longer. You get, you get, you get, you get some time away. You look back and say, boy, I'm glad he didn't give me that. I was begging for it, too. Some of us are glad 
I'm glad as I look back at some of the things God said no to. Some of it I'm ashamed that I even wanted it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say it Sunday morning. There were some things I was asking God for at different junctures in my relationship with him that he said, no, I'm not doing that. No, you're not going to have that. And I look, as I look back on it, I praise God. I'm glad. One such thing I thought about, the guy that led me to Christ, he got me a job working with. When I first got saved, y'all know I didn't used to work. My work before I got saved was not real work. And so I got saved and he worked at a warehouse, got me a job at the warehouse where he worked. And he said, hey, uh, the sheriff department is hiring. You should come down there with me. And I said, oh, yeah, I'll go with you. and We'll fill out the test. And I'm like, sheriffs make good money. I was trying to get married to Mika. So I was like, this will really help my program out. I tell the girl, I got a paycheck now, you know. <laughs> so I went on to the thing with him and I went and we took their, the, the initial test. We both passed. And then they did a thing called a criminal questionnaire. Now, I've never been convicted of anything. I only been detained once and I was released. And it's just a criminal questionnaire where they basically sit you down and say, have you ever done this? 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 And I had to make a decision. I actually had a deacon at my church at that time say, just say no to everything. We've never been convicted to say no. But I sat there and the Holy Spirit told me, don't lie. If I, if I lie, that if I have to lie to get this, then God's not giving it to me. And so I told the truth. Have you ever sold drugs? Yes. And if, you, know, you know, the question says, if so, and what amount? And for what time period? And when did you stop doing it? And I'm like, so I'm answering everything honestly. Yes. And it was about that much. And I made about that much. The last time I did it was about here. Have you ever been involved in this kind of activity? And I told the truth about everything. And they called me back in. They said, look, they said, you know, we're not, we're not going to be able to move forward. And I said, well, man, I told the truth. And I, now I'm pretty, I'm not that grown in the Lord at that time. I'm like, I was kind of disappointed. I thought I should have lied. I told the truth. And now he's moving on and I'm not moving on. This many years later, though, I know that God hadn't called me to be a sheriff. I'd be a miserable cop. Y'all really, y'all think it's some bad cops out there right now. (laughs) I wouldn't, that's not what he had for me to do. But I look back now and I'm like, God had to shut that door to put me on the path that I was going to be on to do what I'm doing right now. And at the time it would seem like, like, man, like all my plans went down the tubes. You know, I got to work. I got to go back to work at the warehouse now. You know, that was God saying, that's not what I have for you. And so some of us here maybe have some things that you really, really, really want. And God's like, that's not what I have for you. We got to just trust him and look to him. Like God, God knows best and his knows are good, right? If you're writing notes, write down this verse. It's Psalm 84, verse 11. And it says, it says, no good thing will he withhold from him who walks uprightly. I said, I won't, I won't withhold. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. You just, live, you just walk right with God. And God says, no, I won't, I won't hold back any good thing from you as you're walking with me. That's a wonderful verse to me. God says, I mean, you just all, you got to focus on one thing, walking with me. And as you do that, no good thing will I keep from you. So if he doesn't give it to me, it must not be a good thing. It must not be what he has for me. Amen. And so moving on here again. So what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Absolutely no one. Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now, again, he points to the cross. He's like him who didn't hold back his own son. Right. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God's look, the one God, the father, God who gave up his only begotten son for you and for me. If he gave up his son, that what could be a more value? If he's already given you that. 
how, 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 how will he not with that freely give us all things? This is the rationale Paul's arguing. This is the question. He's look, if God gave up that which is most valuable, a child, his only begotten son, I mean, anything else, everything else is underneath that. I mean, how, how will he not with that also freely give us all other things? So he said, look, God, God is going to be good to you. Everything else, I mean, he's already given you the most that he can give. So I, why would I ever consider or, or, or question God's goodness, his faithfulness, and, and anything else? God's like, I've already given you the most I could give. So you could just have, you could be full of faith that anything good I have for you, I'm going to give it to you. You don't have to worry about it. That's why as children of God, we shouldn't be all stressed out. We shouldn't be, you shouldn't look like your non-believing friends. I hate to see people that say they know God and they be all lemon-lipped. And when things, I don't know what's going on here, I would try to do that and it didn't work out. Man, I just, I'd be going to church every week and then it's like, do you trust God? Do you believe that God's intentions are good? Do you believe that he's in charge? Do you believe that he's the Lord? You got to look to the Lord. So we need to know these things, right? God's for me. Nothing can be against me. If he gave his son for me, how, how, how will he not with him also freely give me all other things that I need and I'm supposed to have, right? That I, I, I got to come to a place where I'm at peace with what the Lord is doing. And this is what I found when when I fight against or argue against like, you know, something that God maybe didn't do that I wanted and I'm complaining. Do you know when you complain about those things, you're really complaining against God. Right. If God is looking at my life saying, look, I withheld that from you because I love you, son, and it was going to be bad for you. And I walk around saying, oh, no, I mean, I pray for that. I'm being faithful and God didn't give it to me. And I'm I'm really I'm really saying God's not been good to me. God's not been fair to me. That's what I'm saying. When you complain about what God's done in your life, you're complaining against God. We don't want to do that. Why? I don't want to complain against the one who died for me because all these other things are really peripheral, tiny things. When I look at the, the biggest need everybody has is the need to have your sins forgiven. We need our sins forgiven. We, we, we were going to hell without Jesus. We, that's my biggest need and your biggest need that my sins could be washed away. And God said, I took care of that for you. Even before you came looking for me, I took care of that for you. And so how could I complain against him for anything? I need to be the most thankful individual in the world that God has done that for me. I'm so glad that I'm part of the minority that's going to heaven because you guys know the Bible says that the the road is wide and there are many people on it that leads to destruction. But it says the road that leads to life is narrow and few are on it, but it's the way that leads to life. So I'm, I'm, I praise God that I'm on that, that, that God found me where I was and reached out to me. We should be a thankful group. That's why we get together corporately and we worship together because we ought to be a real thankful group of folks that have been touched by God. Amen. And so moving on here, verse, verse 33, another question, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. And so here he said, look, who, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Those that God has chosen, those that God has elected to be his own. God says, who can bring a charge against you? Now, who does the Bible tell us is bringing charges and accusations against believers? The devil. The Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren. And so as Satan is going and making accusations and some of the stuff is true. Everybody here, think about the last thing you did that you should not have did. Last sin you committed. Some of y'all don't have to think back very far. Some of you, it was today, it was this morning, it was, it was on the way here. Some of y'all did it when you got here. Think back to the last thing God said, and, and Satan can legitimately go and say, look at Bill did that. He did that. He did it. I did do it. I, I did it. He's telling the truth. But God said, who can, who can bring a charge against God's elect? Because as he brings that charge, right, I, I, got, I got the bomb attorney. 
I, I got an advocate standing in for me. And if you're writing notes, you can write down Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. And it says this. It said, therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. ever start thinking about God's immense love for you and get lost in the amazement? He loved us enough to send his son to die in our place. But Paul, in his letter to the Romans, takes it even a step further when he says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't look at humanity and think we were doing such a great job on our own. He looked at us and saw that we were broken sinners, lost in rebellion, and he loved us anyway. If you haven't yet made the decision to follow him, know that he is looking at you and loving you. He loves you just the way you are today. If you like to learn what it means to follow him, you can call or text us at 310-245-4811. We'd love to walk you through the story of what God has done to offer you salvation. Once again, that phone number is 310-245-4811. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington on A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill is working his way through the book of Romans in this series, a book filled with wisdom and instructions for life. If you missed a message and want to go back, you can find all our messages on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. That's calvaryinglewood.org. Look under the media tab for links to YouTube and our mobile app. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to connecting with you again. Meet us right here next time for another great message on A Transforming Word.